What up, yo? It's Mark Shanniff with the Fantasy Knockout. Fantasy football show today is Saturday, May 2nd, episode number 94. And today is going to be a great show, a lot of fun. And just like that, the draft is over. Man, that sure was a lot of fun. Wasn't it nice just to have football back for a little bit? I can't wait till the season starts. Speaking of which, the NFL schedule will be released next week, next Saturday. So I'm excited about that. I always like the schedule just because I'm a analytics guy and I like to plan ahead and stuff. So that's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. So quick question. Have you looked at the show notes of the episode? I dare you. Did you know? I have provided links to follow the show. So we're on Twitter and Facebook at Fantasy Knockout. Instagram is at fantasy underscore knockout. Also, there is a link to Patreon where you can help support the show. Only patrons of the show will have access to the knockout cheat sheets come draft season. And last but not least, the link for the website is there as well, which is fantasyknockout.com. Let's talk some news. All right, so there was a trade. The San Francisco 49ers acquired left tackle Trent Williams from the Redskins in exchange for a 2025th round pick and a 2021st third round pick. And Washington ended up drafting a center, Keith Ishmael, from San Diego State with that fifth round pick. There was also another trade during the draft, which was Miami Dolphins. They acquired running back Matt Burita from the San Francisco 49ers in exchange for the number... Uh, 153rd overall pick, whom they ended up drafting an offensive tackle, Colton McKivitz from West Virginia. I like Breed's potential fit in the with the Dolphins there. And then there was a uh, final trade, which was the Philadelphia Eagles acquired wide receiver Marquise Goodwin from the 49ers. Teams also swapped six-round picks. Um, so helps the Eagles with a, a receiver, and they need they need the help there, you know. And then this was a little sad. Fullback uh, James Devlin from the New England Patriots. Uh, he had complications from his 2019 neck injury and is announcing he's retiring after eight years in the NFL. I think this is a huge blow to the Patriots. Uh, this is how they ran the ball. They used him when he was there. They ran the ball better. So this is a big blow to them. And then quarterback Andy Dalton from the Cincinnati Bengals. He re- he uh, requested a release from Cincinnati, and they gave it to him. Um, so now he's a free agent, and the word is Jacksonville is showing a lot of interest in him. I also think he would be great in New England. Get him a decent team there. He could do well there. Um, so that's my personal take. And then the last bit is Commissioner Roger Goodell. He reports the NFL considers October 15th as the drop-dead date for a 16-game season that could still be completed by February. That would be week six under normal circumstances. It also says that they would want any 16-game season to be completed by the end of February. So in that scenario, regular season bye weeks would be eliminated, as well as the traditional off week between the conference championship game and Super Bowl. So for now, the league is still planning to release the normal schedule next week. And... They will construct it in such a way that it allows easy reconfiguration if they need to. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Main event. 
You all ready for some draft talk? If you want to hear about players selected in the first round, such as like C.D. Lamb going to the Boys or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in Kansas City, go back and listen to the last episode, which is episode number 93. There I went over all the fantasy-relevant players from day one on that show. Here we're going to talk about day two guys, players that were selected in rounds two and three, who will have some fantasy relevance. Got it? Get it? Good. All right, so round two, the Cincinnati Bengals started it off with wide receiver T. Higgins out of Clemson, who was the number 33 overall pick. Meet your new weapon, Joe Burrow, and meet the potential heir to A.J. Green, Cincinnati. Higgins is one of the best athletes in the draft class. The Higgins-Burrow connection is the future, but Higgins probably won't have a huge role this rookie season. Uh, He could be the third in the pecking order at wide receiver behind A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. However, with Green's tenure in Cincinnati likely to end after this year, the Bengals could be compelled to give Higgins more snaps. Plus, we all know Green isn't the model of durability. Uh, Higgins is likely no more than a late-round flyer in redraft leagues at the moment, but is standing on the depth chart worth monitoring throughout training camp. So there is a lot of upside here. And then next was the Indianapolis Colts. They took a wide receiver, Michael Pittman, out of USC for the number 34 overall pick. And Phillip Rivers gets a darn good secondary receiver in Pittman. The USC receiver won't wow you with his athleticism, but he has impressive size, incredible hands, and a knack for getting open. Pittman could have a similar role to what Mike Williams had for Rivers in Los Angeles and shouldn't have much resistance on the depth chart. His primary competition for playing time will be Zach Pascal and Paris Campbell, a 2019 second rounder. So T.Y. Hilton will be the primary target there, but Pittman could settle in as a reliable number two for Rivers with the red zone upside. He could also be worth consideration at the very end of drafts and could have some touchdown upside. And the next was the Detroit Lions. They took running back DeAndre Swift out of Georgia with the number 35th overall pick. So who's ready for a talented but confusing timeshare in Detroit? Swift joins Kerryon Johnson to make a potentially strong one-two punch in the Motor City. However, this isn't an awesome landing spot for fantasy purposes. Swift has three-down back ability but lacks explosiveness at the home run speed. Uh, his biggest question is how the Lions will sort this timeshare. This feels like it will be close to a 50-50 split, but there's too much uncertainty to make Swift anything more than a late-round handcuff despite his talent. And then the next, the Colts stepped in again. They traded up for this pick, and they took a running back, Jonathan Taylor, out of Wisconsin with the number 41st overall pick. How about another confounding tailback timeshare? Taylor is one of the most productive college running backs ever, and he now shares the backfield with Marlon Mack, a top 20 fantasy running back last season. Once again, this is the worst case fantasy scenario for one of the top running backs in the draft. Taylor and Mack will likely split carries, with Mack getting the majority of the work. Even worse, Taylor caught only 25 balls for Wisconsin last season, which means he likely won't factor in on third down work. The good news is Taylor will have plenty of room to run behind the Colts' offensive line, which is amazing, but volume will be an enormous issue if Mack stays healthy. So while Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 
has ridiculous upside in Kansas City. Taylor and Swift are no more than handcuffed options with injury upside late in redraft leagues. Next, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They took wide receiver LaVishka Chenault out of Colorado with the 42nd overall pick. I like this guy. Um, I don't know. There's just something special about him. So Minshew Mania gets a new weapon in Chenault, a speedy receiver who would have likely been picked earlier if not for a core muscle injury that sidelined him during the NFL Combine. Chenault is another impressive athlete who has electrifying run-after-the-catch abilities. He joins a Jaguars receiving core uh, that is led by DJ Chark and features D.D. Westbrook and newly signed tight end Tyler Eifert. Chenault brings an explosive element and could start the season in the slot. However, he only should be considered in deeper redraft formats. Uh, Chark will still be the top dog there in Jacksonville, and Minshew still has a lot to prove after a mixed rookie season. And then the Chicago Bears, they take a tight end here, Cole Clement, at a Notre Dame with the number 43 overall pick. So Clement becomes Chicago's 28th tight end on the roster. Okay, that's a little exaggeration. They only have 10 tight ends on their current roster. I'm not joking. Of those 10 tight ends, the one who matters to Clement is Jimmy Graham, whom the Bears signed to a two-year $16 million deal this offseason. So Clement's arrival makes Graham's signing even more questionable, especially because Clement poses a similar skill set to Graham as a pure pass catcher. The Bears could use plenty of two tight end sets to get both on the field at the same time, but that doesn't make it an ideal fantasy situation for the Notre Dame product. Uh, Tight ends historically struggled during their rookie season, and Komet most likely won't be the exception. He's basically only draftable in deeper or redraft leagues. Then the next uh, was the Denver Broncos. They took wide receiver K.J. Hamler out of Penn State with the 46th overall pick. And apparently Jerry Judy wasn't enough firepower for the Broncos, who took the Penn State speedster with their second pick in the 2020 draft. So Hamler is a nice fit for Denver as an explosive slot receiver who can take the top off a of defense alongside Judy and Cortland Sutton. Drew Locke might not have any excuses with all the weapons John Elway has given him. While Hamler should have a unique niche in Denver's offense, this still isn't a great fantasy fit with a first-round receiver in the fold. And let's not forget that Sutton is coming off a breakout campaign. The Broncos have a ton of intriguing pass catchers on their roster, but Hamler's fantasy value is probably on the low end. He should only be considered in the deepest of redraft leagues. Then the next was the Pittsburgh Steelers with the 49th overall pick. They took wide receiver Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. So Claypool is a fascinating prospect. He could stretch the field at 6 foot 4 inches, 238 pounds, has a great range, and could serve as a reliable red zone option for Ben Roethlisberger. Juju Smith-Schuster is the clear number one receiver in the Steel City, but he's in a contract year and coming off an injury plague campaign. Underneath Smith-Schuster are Deontay Johnson, who led the team in catches last season, and deep threat James Washington. Pittsburgh's offense isn't nearly as good as it has been in years past, but Claypool could end up being a deep sleeper in redraft leagues if Roethlisberger stays healthy. Also, his comp, not saying that he will get there, but just out of the size, could be like a Calvin Johnson type. Interesting there. 
Next is the Los Angeles Rams. They take a running back, Cam Akers, out of Florida State with the number 52 overall pick. So could Akers be the heir to Todd Gurley? He certainly has the talent. Akers is a fantastic runner who needs to improve his vision. He also dealt with miserable blocking in front of him at Florida State. The Rams have quite the competition at running back with Akers. The 2019 third-round pick in Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, all vying for that starting duty. The Los Angeles' offensive line regressed badly last season and hasn't gotten much better during this offseason. Akers' fantasy value for next year won't be determined until after the preseason. But on the surface, he has a chance to play plenty of snaps for a good offense that will be worth drafting in fantasy leagues if he wins the starting job in camp. Next is the Philadelphia Eagles. They take a quarterback, Jalen Hurst, out of Alabama with the 53rd overall pick here in the second round. So could Jalen Hurst be Philadelphia's version of Taysom Hill? Who knows? That's the only way I can really rationalize one of the most shocking picks in this year's draft. The instant reaction is that Hurst was drafted to eventually replace Carson Wentz, but that's just not the case. Hurst is nowhere near the talent Wentz is. However, Hurst is a compliment passer with excellent athleticism and could succeed running some gadgetary for the Eagles next season. Hurst could add a different dimension to Philadelphia's offense while giving Wentz a few plays off per game, something that's important for the injury-prone quarterback. Uh, Unfortunately, Hurst likely won't get enough snaps to be a real fantasy factor. In fact, He'll probably be a headache for Wentz owners next season. So don't draft him unless you have a crystal ball and know Wentz is going to get hurt again. Next was the Baltimore Ravens. They took a running back, J.K. Dobbins, out of Ohio State with the number 55 overall pick. And maybe the Ravens will run out of the wishbone formation to mess with the opposing defenses. Imagine Lamar Jackson, Dobbins, Mark Ingram, and Gus Edwards all coming at you in the triple option. Dobbins is a talented running back who should have been drafted earlier than 55, in my opinion. His elusiveness in the open field and is also a very good pass protector. He could become Baltimore's lead back of the future, but he's stuck in a crowded backfield that includes Ingram, Edwards, and Justice Hill. This pick is a tremendous value for Baltimore, but it's hard to see Dobbins having a large role this next year. It doesn't help that he wasn't a factor in the passing game at Ohio State. He's a worthwhile handcuff with upside late in redraft leagues and will provide much more value in dynasty formats, especially since Ingram is 30 and he could be cut minimal dead cap next year. And then the Rams were on the clock again, and they take a wide receiver, Van Jefferson, out of Florida with the number 57 overall pick. So the Rams used the draft pick they acquired in the Brandon Cooks trade to draft an outstanding route runner in Jefferson. The Florida product could slot right in as the number three receiver in Sean McVay's uh, option, assuming he'll beat out Josh Reynolds on the depth chart. I think he will. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Tyler Higby will see the majority of Jared Koff's targets, but Jefferson could be a worthwhile addition if either of the top two receivers ever go down. Otherwise, he's probably not worth drafting in most redraft leagues. Then next, the New York Jets, they take wide receiver Denzel Mims out of Baylor with the 59th overall pick, and Sam Darnold couldn't be happier 
The Jets gave him a blindside protector in McKee Becton and a new weapon who has all the largest catch radius in the draft. Mims has an exciting blend of speeds, speed and size. He's six foot three with 207 pounds, and he ran the 40-yard dash in 4.38 seconds. That's fast. Even better, Mims joins arguably the worst receiving group in the league. The top of the Jets' receiving depth chart includes Brashard Perryman, Jamison Crowder, Josh Doxson, Vincent Smith, and Quincy Inunua. You guys recognize any of those names? Not really. They're not that great. Despite this incredible opportunity for targets, Mims needs some seasoning. Um, if Darnold takes the next step next year, Mims could benefit greatly if he develops quickly. Um, there's a ton of upside here, but it could all take some time. Mims should be a primarily a deep sleeper in redraft leagues, but his development in training camp is worth monitoring. The opportunity will be there if he's ready. And then with the last pick in the second round, which was the 62nd overall pick, the Green Bay Packers, they take a running back, A.J. Dillon. The Packers are having a confusing draft. Um, Dillon, he is a big man at 247 pounds. So don't let the weight fool you, though. Dillon hits the hole hard and is faster than his size really would indicate. Uh, Dillon provides depth behind Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who are both entering contract years. The Boston College product could have a large role in 2021, but likely have a he's going to have to fight for playing time as a rookie. And unless you're in a deep format, he's not really worth drafting right now. All right, so now we're going to start round three, and the Washington Redskins kick it off with wide receiver Antonio Gibson out of Memphis with the 66 overall pick. And Gibson, he's a versatile weapon who's played both wide receiver and running back. He's not a pure receiver, but is plenty explosive and can line up all over the field. Gibson feels more like a gadget weapon than a consistent producer. Uh, Plus, Terry McLaurin is still the guy there. Uh, Washington doesn't have much depth as re- at receiver, but Gibson likely isn't worth much consideration in fantasy drafts. And then the next was the Tampa Bay Bucks. They snag a running back, Keyshawn Vaughn, out of Vanderbilt with the number 76 overall pick, and I love this pick. Vaughn is a solid prospect and a good enough athlete to bust a big run when he has a little bit of steam. He's also a very good pass catch, a uh, very good pass protector, something Ronald Jones is not. That could lead to more snaps in his rookie season. It's hard to imagine Vaughn overtaking Jones as the bell call back immediately. However, the door is open for Vaughn to emerge as a factor for what should be an elite offense. He could be a valuable handcuff and a sleeper pick in fantasy drafts this next season. And then the next, the Raiders come up next with. Two picks, they had the number 80th overall and the 81st overall pick. And guess what? They take two wide receivers. They take the first one, Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky. And the second one, Brian Edwards out of South Carolina. So the Raiders, they took receivers back-to-back. So I'm talking about them in the same blurb here. Bowden is a dynamic prospect who actually played quarterback for a desperate Kentucky team uh, last year. He's a very versatile athlete who John Gruden can get creative with in offensive sets. 
He'll likely work out of the slot in the NFL. The Raiders, then they added a tall possession receiver in Edwards. He has a similar skill set to Tyrell Williams, who was hampered by a foot injury last year. And Vegas clearly wants to go with a youth movement at wideout. As these two receivers joined first-round pick Henry Ruggs III in the revamped offense, Bowden and Edwards both should see a field during their rookie seasons, but it's hard to expect much fantasy impact from either one of them. Uh, training camp will sort out a lot of this crowded receiving group, but I think Bowden's actually going to play running back. I think he'll be like third on the depth chart and running back. Um, I think Gruden will use him a little bit more. He's just that dynamic where he can be played at either or uh, receiver or running back position. Next is the Buffalo Bills. They take running back Zach Moss out of Utah with the 86th overall pick. So Moss is a bruising blue-collar tailback who is a perfect fit here in Buffalo for their run game as a complement to Devin Singletary. This will likely be Singletary's backfield with Moss factoring in on short-distance situations, kind of like what Frank Gore did last year. He also had soft hands and could be a factor in the passing game. Moss will have a role in Buffalo, but it likely won't be more than just really a handcuff consideration in fantasy drafts. Next, the New England Patriots, they take tight end Devin Asiasi at a UCLA number 91st overall pick. So the Patriots, they need all the playmakers they can get, particularly at tight end, since they traded away Gronk. <laughs> Not that he was really going to play for them. Uh, the depth chart currently consists of Matt Lacoste and Ryan Izzo making SESC quite possibly the best tight end on the roster right now. The UCLA product has good size and athleticism for the position. Given his standing on the depth chart, he could see instant playing time. Sadly, it won't be Tom Brady throwing him the ball. Instead, it'll likely be an unknown Jarrett Stittman. Or who knows, maybe Andy Dalton. That's who I'm hoping for. The Pats also drafted a tight end later in the in the round, which we'll talk about how that could muddle a CSC's fantasy outlook. And basically, we're just going to keep a look at him in deeper leagues or maybe a sleeper next year. Next was the Baltimore Ravens. They took a wide receiver, Devin Duvernay, out of Texas with the numbers 92 overall pick. So Duvernay gives Lamar Jackson another fast receiver to throw down the middle on the field. The former track star ran a 4.39 40-yard dash. Wow, that's fast. And adds more depth to a lackluster group of receivers outside of Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. Uh, Duvernay also has a chance to start immediately in the slot for Baltimore. But owning any Ravens pass catcher outside of Brown or tight end Mark Andrews might be a little bit risky. Right now, uh, Jackson should take another step forward as a passer, but this offense is still going to be predicated on a power rushing attack and passes to the tight end. Um, All that being said, Duvernay is worth keeping an eye on in training camp as it begins. He could play his way into a late round flyer and redraft. Um, So keep an eye on him. All right, next is the Tennessee Titans. They take a running back. Darton Evans out of Appalachian State, number 93 overall. So Evans is the lightning to Derrick Henry's thunder and could serve as a suitable replacement for Deion Lewis as Tennessee's third down tailback. 
but don't expect anything close to a timeshare. Evans will likely just spell Henry only on third down situations. He also has experience lining up at receiver. Evans could merit more value in deep PPR leagues if Tennessee's offense shows a little bit more potential through the air. But unless you're a very cautious Henry owner, he probably doesn't merit any consideration in redraft leagues. Next, the Green Bay Packers, they take a tight end, Josiah DeGuara. Wow, I'm struggling with that one. He's out of Cincinnati when that was the 94th overall pick. So breaking news, the Packers have given Aaron Rodgers another weapon. The only issue is it's in the form of a 6'2 tight end. Despite his small stature, DeGuara fits what Green Bay is looking for at tight end. He can stretch the seam vertically and is a reliable pass-catching tight end. DeGuara will have to contend with Mercedes Lewis, who is somehow still in the league, as well as Jay Sternberger for Aaron Rodgers' attention. Expect Hosea to be the latest in a messy tight end situation that has no clear starter at the moment. Only consider him if you're absolutely desperate in a deep redraft league this year. And then next, uh, the New England Patriots, they take that second tight end now in the third round, Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech with a number 101 overall pick. The Patriots used two consecutive picks on tight ends, and they even traded up on, to get Keene here. So New England might have might be interested in Keene's versatility, as he can also serve as a um, halfback or a fullback at six foot four, two hundred fifty three pounds. Um, I'd expect Keene to be the number two tight end behind the more natural a CSC to start the year. He's undraftable in any formats until we see more going on in training camp. And then the last, the New Orleans Saints, they take a tight end, Adam Trotman. Out of Dayton, he was the number hundred, or he was the hundred and fifth overall pick, and the Saints might have gotten a steal here with Trotman, who was passed over several times during round three. He's six foot five, two hundred fifty-five pound prospect who has surprising athleticism, and is a strong blocker. Uh, Trotman could be utilized often in two tight end sets, but will most likely play second fiddle behind Jared Cook as a rookie. Uh, Trotman is he's not draftable in most redraft formats, barring an unexpected injury to Cook, but he could be worth more consideration in dynasty leagues as the potential tight end for the future there in New Orleans. Well, that was a lot of fun. Hopefully, they get gives you guys some insight on guys that were taken in round two and three. So that's going to wrap it up for today. The next show we got, we're going to do a mock draft. We're going to have three wide receivers on that uh, mock. And then starting after that, we're going to do a cool little series. We're going to break on down each division and really hit each team and talk about the winners and losers of the draft and the depth charts. And I'll go over some of my projections there. So look forward to that. That's going to be over the next couple months, uh, next couple weeks. Well, I just want to say thank you for listening to the show. Make sure to subscribe and whatever platform you're on, leave a rating and review. You can also visit us on the interweb at fantasyknockout.com. All right. Till next time. See ya.